20 years ago, we had Johnny Cash, Bob Hope, and Steve Jobs. They've all died, and now we don't have Jobs, we don't have Cash, and we don't have any hope. That uh, corny joke uh, for you is just uh, set up for you. We're going to talk about hope today, what hope looks like in, uh, in our world and what hope we have in Jesus Christ. If you would start with me with prayer, please. Father, we love you so much. And today we know, God, that we have hope in you. And may that message be clear this morning, that in a world filled with darkness and hopelessness and suffering... God, you are there. You are here. You are our light in the midst of darkness. And so calm our hearts now and open our minds to you and help us to hear from you the word of truth that has echoed throughout history in the book of Romans and resonates still today to teach us about your rescue of us, what you have accomplished through your Son to fulfill things of the past and to give us a bright hope and light into the future. God, thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our King. It's in his name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to look at Romans chapter 5. We're going to pick up where we left off last week and uh, we got into a little bit of chapter 5. There was a bunch of things building in chapter 4 and Paul just keeps layering things on top of them and uh, on top of one another and he keeps building off of where he was previously and so it's worth uh, just reminding ourselves where we've been and I wrote just kind of a series overview for you uh, in our sermon notes and so we started with looking at in chapter one that this is the gospel that Paul is not ashamed of and he has you know no regrets and he has full confidence in God in this gospel that is salvation for everyone. And, and he says there that we are called to belong to Christ. And so the very premise of the series, I've just wanted to call it belong. This is how we belong to God. And there's a whole bunch of fancy words that you can cover, but at the end of the day, I just want to think, when I think Romans, I'm thinking, I belong to Jesus Christ. And through the accomplishment of the law, through the forgiveness of sins, through God's justification, through God's care for me and my soul, through all that Jesus accomplished, the end of that is that we were all called to belong to Jesus Christ. We are in the family of God. And what Paul is covering then throughout all of this is that Christ has rescued us and he's forgiven us so that we might belong. Jesus provides the propitiation for our sins. He is our justification. He's the one who makes us right and provides us uh, with a right standing before God through the sacrifice of Christ. And because we belong, because we've been justified, then we also have peace. We also have this uh, sense of wholeness and completeness in God. What we were missing, we are from our sin, from our separation from God, the legal indebtedness that we had of our sin, the wages of our sin was death, but we have life in Christ. We have been forgiven. So as we continue forward this morning, I want to talk to us about hope, about the sort of uh, confidence in what is to come. 
and this morning we'll look at Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I was really taking a moment this week to think about the word boast. When we say the word boast, or we say they're boastful, uh, we, there is a lot of negative connotations to the word boast, right? And so sometimes when we are reading the Bible, we need to be careful not to bring our sort of negative connotations around a word uh, and kind of overlay that meaning onto the phrase. We need to actually take a moment and say, what is the word boast? What does it actually mean? And it's to have um, great confidence in. Now, what we experience is, or at least what I experience, is interacting with 15, 16-year-old boys, uh, especially on the football field, and they have this sort of boastfulness where it's an overconfidence in their abilities. Have you ever experienced a teenager have overconfidence in their abilities? And then they communicate that to you, and there's nothing more pleasurable than when they get humble pie, right? It's like, ooh, they had that coming. And we celebrate it because we had our own humble pie moments where we were overly confident. And so if we just take it at the base meaning and say, okay, set aside all of the negative connotations that we have to it. The meaning of the word boast there is to have a great bit of confidence in something or someone. And so what Paul is saying is, I have great confidence in the hope of the glory of God. He is willing to say that there are three things in his life, and he's going to show that to us in the book of Romans here in chapter 5, three things that Paul has great confidence in. And one of them is, is that we can hope in the glory of God. That there is a day coming, and I think when we think the glory of God and the praise that is due him, the praise that is in heaven now that will be praises here on earth, when God makes all things new and restores heaven and earth. When he heals the nations, there will be a celebration and glory given to God. And I think Paul is saying, I have great confidence in this. A day is coming in which God will be truly glorified as he should be. And you should have hope in this. You sh we can hope and have confidence that God will be glorified. And that should be the sort of heartbeat of our lives as Christians, of saying, I can't wait for the day in which God receives all the glory that he's due. When heaven and earth are made new, when sickness is done, when death is no more, when pain and separation and all that has hurt us is done away with and God has restored and made everything new, that will be the day in which we glorify God with all that we are and all that we have. We can have hope and confidence in this. And for Paul, he's saying, I am sure of this, that I am boasting in this. I have a great deal of confidence that I can have hope in this world, in this moment, because I know that God will be glorified. God will get his glory. And when we look, and we've read the book of Romans before, and you think about hope now, well, when we get to chapter 8, he'll start fleshing that out even more. Of just this sort of quiet, uh, strength and confidence that we can have that God will get his glory that God is uh, that we can put our trust in this 
And so as we continue forward through the text here, it says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. In verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. When we go through difficult times, as we all have, we can, Paul says, you can have such confidence because we have peace in God, because we belong, because we're justified, because we're forgiven, because we have a life in Christ, we can endure suffering. And that is a concept that is foreign to us as a culture. When you think about our culture, we do everything we possibly can to avoid suffering. You get a little ailment, it's like there's a medicine for that. If you are going through something difficult, well then take a shortcut and avoid that at all costs. We try to avoid suffering. We don't like waiting for our food. That would take too much suffering. So we have a microwave. I mean, I know how it goes, guys. It's tough out there. But we face in a culture, in a world that doesn't want to endure everything. And so when Paul says that our suffering produces perseverance, our perseverance produces character, and our character leads us to hope, it's a sort of refinement process that all of that goes through. And our avoidance and our unwillingness to go through difficult things keeps us from reaching uh, and understanding what true hope is. True hope comes from those who have been refined through suffering, who have learned to persevere, who have had their true genuineness shown about them, their character, who they really are, having all of that pulled away and refined, and then you see who they are and where their hope truly is. Christianity has tried to... Um, and, and I, I, I think I'm there. I can remember thinking and talking to God quite a bit about why is it a narrow road that few people will find? And I've always talked to God about, you know, why did you say it's a narrow path and few will find it? Why can't we broaden the path, Jesus, so that more people will find it? Uh, this week I was on a field trip with uh, Audrey. We went to, uh, well, well, she's not right there. She's not going to help me. Mary Lee, it's over near Albion, and it's a nature preserve, and there was a wide path. Well, it got a little bit narrower for the kids, and a little bit narrower, and, you know, you had to get into a straight line, and third graders are excellent at staying on the path. Uh, they got off, and they diverged, and, and uh, they got off the beaten path, and there was a kid that got covered in those little briar things that, like, just attached, and and the burrs were in her hair and all in her sweatshirt. And, you know, you say, tough luck, kid. And you just move, you know, no, we had to help pick all of the hundred off of her. And uh, it was fun. I forget what I was telling you all that for other than to complain. Um, no. Uh, but Christ calls us to a narrow path. And if we diverge off of it, there is trouble and there are difficulties but it is also difficult to stay on that path. It's narrow for refinement purposes that few people find and that you have to stay the course and trust in Christ, walking with him. He says to join with him, to follow him, is to carry your cross, is to deny yourselves. There's not an easiness to the invitation that Jesus calls us to. I think sometimes we like to think it's a really broad road and everybody can get on it. 
we say, well, the, the gate is wide. We want you to come. We, our arms are open to you, and we want you to come and follow Christ. But it, it's a winding, difficult road to follow Christ. There is suffering. There is difficulty. There is a pain to it. And Paul is saying, because you belong, because you belong to Christ, there is endurance to that. When you are a part of something that is much larger than yourselves, when you're a part of something that, um, that is much bigger than who you are and what you, <laughs> what you are individually, you say, I can make it through this because I know I'm not alone and I know that, that Christ is with me and Christ, I have this confidence in him. And so I think Paul is encouraging us here to say, keep enduring, keep pressing forward, persevere, and at the end of all of it, you will see that you're... Your hope was not false. There was true hope there. Um, the great theologian Metallica, um, they have a song called No Leaf Clover. Uh, any Metallica fans out there? Uh, um, I would never listen to such, uh, you know, devil music. But if you were to listen to it, uh, anyways... Uh, you shouldn't lie from the pulpit, but uh, all right. I listened to Metallica from time to time, especially when I was younger, and they have a song called No Leaf Clover, and in the song, it's a slow build, and it talks about this light that's at the end of the tunnel, and this light that's at the end of the tunnel, it turns out it's a freight train coming your way, and then, uh, and then the c guitar solo goes, and it's pretty awesome. I'd play it if you wouldn't fire me, uh, but, uh, uh, but it, the song No Leaf Clover is, it's a... It's, you're dead out of luck. A clover with no leaves, you know, it's like, it is the opposite. And that's the way the world looks at life. Uh, they think, okay, this light at the end of the tunnel might be the thing that I'm hoping for. It's, it, it's going to be something good. And the more time you spend with people who are outside of Jesus Christ, they think that this light will be something good for them, and it ends up being just another bad thing. And life comes at them like it's a freight train, and it plows them over, and they are constantly in bitterness and brokenness and hurt and suffering. Do you know people who are dead out of luck and never have a good thing go their way? And we are called out of that mess. We actually have a light that is dawned, and it may be distant, but that light is good. And we look at the world not as though it's a no-leaf clover and dead out of luck and a freight train coming our way. Rather, it is the train of the gospel of good news that speaks light into this world and is hope. It is filled with hope, real hope, a real genuineness to it. And Paul is saying you can have so much confidence in the goodness of God. Listen to him, trust him, know that he's there for you. Because you belong to Christ, there is hope for you today. Because you belong. And so we look at, uh, as we continue through this, and he says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. He's given you his spirit. His love has been poured out for you. We can hope because Christ has given his life for us. God's love has been poured into your heart. You can have hope because God's love is in you. And then he expounds on God's love in verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And so we have this comfort knowing that God's love is in us. It gives us hope to press forward in life, life's most difficult circumstances. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We boast in God. We have confidence in Christ. We have confidence that Christ will uh, come and that that we can hope in his glory, and we also have a confidence, a great confidence in God through Jesus Christ, whom we've now been reconciled. Our big word today is reconciliation. We were separated from God. We were broken. We were sinful. But God, through the justification of sins, of a new life in Christ, we have had our relationship restored with God. And so where, uh, I love how my friend Mark uh, shared with us this week of just the connection here. And justification is caring for our legal indebtedness. It's renewing of our covenant relationship with God. It's dealing with the sort of legal side of things. But what reconciliation does is it heals the relationship aspect of our life with God. God wants a relationship with us. And I'm really just challenged, and, and Paul will get into the life of Adam and Adam's sin, and we'll cover some of that in next week's message. But this week, I won't really just want to focus in on what God does when Adam sins. When Adam sins, way back in Genesis 3, he goes into hiding. He goes into hiding, he knows that there's a problem, and he's hidden himself from God. And what is it that God does? Did he say all good riddance? God goes looking. God goes looking for Adam. And friends, I want to share with you the good news that God is still looking for us. And the story of God's reconciliation of humankind back to him, it is God's pursuit of us, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ goes looking. And so as we think about hope, do you see hope sort of jump off the page for you today? Whatever circumstances are going on in your life, and there are, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of things going on. You think about for folks who lost their homes this week through no fault of their own devastating storm just wiped away their house. They've been displaced, living out of a hotel this week. There are two ways that they could approach the next 24, 48 hours or the next week. 
And we know that the two paths in which they can take, there's those who are outside of Christ, and they will have to rely on so many different things to go their right way. For insurance to get things done, they'll have to rely on so many different entities and organizations to help them and come alongside them. And you know, you know just how that will go. Yet there's a Christian who went through that very same thing in that very present moment of losing their livelihood, losing their home, being displaced from where they've grown up. Where is their confidence and where is their hope? For the Christian today, because God has reconciled his relationship to you, as Wendy uh, just put together a perfect worship set for us this morning, that we are blessed and we are whole and we are healed because God is our Father, because God has cared for us and rescued us, because we belong to God, there is hope today. And so it can, life can throw at us the most severe of circumstances and the most drastic of things, or it can just be a regular old Monday tomorrow. But our hope is still the same. And Paul says, you can have confidence today because you belong. God has rescued you. God has demonstrated a love for you that we cannot even fully fathom today, that while we are still sinners, God loves you and he's poured his heart out for you in his son, Jesus Christ. You can face tomorrow because God is with you today. And whatever the distance is, whatever's far off, and whatever pain or difficulty there is, there is a path worth following. And it's on the road with Jesus Christ. He is with you, and he loves you, and he's poured his life out for you. So when I think about practical application, landing the plane here this morning and saying, okay, that's good, Jordan. I have hope. I got it. How does this impact tomorrow? Well, I've been th reflecting on things, and I, I think that one of the big pieces to all of this is peace. It's seeking relationship restoration with others. It's seeking forgiveness and sharing with people that there is a peace in this world. We have something to offer the world. It is broken and hurting. Would you seek peace with people and forgiveness and restore relationships? Would you forgive others as Christ has forgiven you? We live in a world that is filled with uh, grudges and frustrations and anger. If you were to counsel your neighbor right now and just talk with them, you'll find out that there is a lot of hurt from their past in their life. And they need to know to set, to set themselves free as to turn to Christ and experience his forgiveness. And it's also for them to heal them that they might forgive others and forgive their past and their brokenness. Are there people in your life today that need to know that there is peace in this world through Jesus Christ, through the forgiveness of their sins? When we think about practical application, then it's just, you know, let's, let's talk to our neighbors and our friends and our family. Would you pray a prayer filled with hope? And I've been thinking, you know what, it's been a while since I've taken the time to really give God all the gratitude that I, that I need to have. You know, it's just like, am I taking the time to give God thanks and praise Him? And then is my prayer filled with hope of what is to come? 
I get, I, it's been a busy few weeks, and I've just been running around. My head's been cut off. I mean, it is like going one thing to the next and just busy, busy, busy. Am I taking the time to settle and just remember, where is my hope? Is my trust in God right now? Is my confidence in God and his love? And then I think about love in this passage. While we were still God's enemies, God poured his love out for us. Well, Christ calls us to enemy love. And we don't, you know, I don't have, you know, like too many enemies, but there's a couple of them. I have a few Newmans in my life. Metallica and Seinfeld, you guys are really getting rich sermon material today. Man, your pastor's so deep. Uh, good grief. What enemy in your life needs love today? Who can you love that the world has said is unlovable? I have someone in my life right now that when I see it pop up on my phone, I think, okay, thank you, God, for the opportunity to love. Now you're all wondering who it is. I'll tell you for $5, but uh, who can you love that's difficult to love? Because that's the story that comes out in Romans 5. God going through a great rescue mission to love the unlovable, to rescue those who needed saving, to reach out his love for us. And ultimately it comes down to the way that Paul flushes it out in 2 Corinthians 5, and this is where will land the plane. 2 Corinthians 5, 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are given, giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He's calling you to be his ambassador, 
to go into the world and share the hope of forgiveness of sins and a new life in Christ. Would you be his ambassadors this week? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Thank you for today. Thank you for the forgiveness and the mercy, the grace, the love, the peace, the justification, the righteousness, the wholeness, and the hope that we have today in you. All because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Today, God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a desire to seek you and your ways. And God, help us today to see those who need love, those who need your care and your love and your mercy. Help us, God. Help us to love those who need your love the most. Help us to be a people of peace and hope that people look to us and they wonder, why can you be so hopeful in this moment? Lord, and let us tell them we are hopeful because we belong to a risen Savior. We are peace-filled because we have belonged to one who has overcome the world. We are strengthened because we belong to Jesus Christ, our hope and our strength. May we boast and have great confidence and assurance that Jesus is King.